welcome to Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. Let's get started. I'm delighted to be joined today by Alejandro Gutierrez from DeFactor. Alejandro, very nice to have you on the podcast, finally. I've been bugging you for a while, I think. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. No, it's uh, really glad to be here. Uh, so we're we're having a bit of a, a um, bit of a run of Web three. We had Owen from Plant Oil. We had Sarah Jane. Uh, we'll have Jesus Sonoma there coming up next week, uh, and then another couple hopefully over the next while. So you're right bang smack in the middle. Um, and what I wanted to start with, if it's okay with you, Alejandro, is maybe just give us a bit of an idea of your own backgrounds and and how you came to end up working in Web three. Yeah. So. My background, when I'm Colombian originally, and uh, coming from a family of entrepreneurs uh, dedicated to the supply chain and logistics and, and growing in that space was fantastic. Well, to understand how difficult it is to <laughs> run a business, but but also just to get that excitement, right, of creating something. Um, so having having that. Um, that kind of push from the from the family perspective. I study um, industrial engineering and uh, production engineering, uh, and from there I started just moving more and more into the logistics side and supply chain. Uh, started really interested, or getting really interested in into solving problems mm. from the supply chain perspective. And I work in Colombia for a bit, and then I went to Australia. And I did my master's degrees in supply chain management and, and transportation. And in Australia, I had the chance to work in consulting and I did everything you can imagine from the consulting perspective uh, related to supply chain management, supply chain finance, uh, network uh, restructuring and so on and so on. Mm. And at some point I moved into the, into the black side that is what you call it consulting, going back into industry. Mm. Uh, just to see things from the from the other from the other side from the other perspective, it was a really great move. Just to look at things from a from a from a, from the reality point of view, right? Because it's mm. something when you are in consulting and you see things just yeah. kind of a fast pace and 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 in a in an optimal way, but something completely different when you are actually in industry and trying to do the implementation of of whatever solutions. So at that point, I started actually uh, getting more and more involved into blockchain. And what uh, caught my attention was the applications for the traceability and provenance perspective. Because mm. I, I think that was one of the first uh, uh, opportunities that people saw with blockchains, right? Mm. So just having, having that immutable records that were telling you, hey, your cargo was at this place or this happens. And, and having that visibility was super important. Even when you uh, have chat with, with uh, experts in supply chain, 99% of the people will tell you that the main issue they have is visibility. Mm. And this was a potential uh, way to solve it. So starting playing around with uh, IOTs and how just using the data from IOTs uh, with that data, we could actually just put it in, in the blockchain just to have that immutable record that uh, some events had happened. 
So for example, uh, you are in a container, the container uh, just collapses or there are issues with the cargo inside or the temperature drops. So all those things can be recorded in the blockchain. And then when you actually see that record, you say, okay, this was at the point at, uh, at which this event happened mm. and, and take actions out of it. So if there is an insurance claim, you can clearly pinpoint actually at what stage this happened and who was responsible for it. Uh, Just on on that point, so for people who are listening who are kind of thinking, every time I hear blockchain, I hear crypto, and that's all I hear, because there's a lot of people like that at the minute. Um, What difference does blockchain make in that process? Like, why does it need blockchain? Is it the uh, ability to record something that can't be changed later on? Or, okay. That that correct is the mutability of that record, right? Because what happens normally in a supply chain is when when an issue or, or, or when a like say an accident happens, uh, usually <laughs> what what it goes to is that uh, that uh, people start just changing records because nobody wants to take the blame on it. Yeah, and you start seeing all the different yeah. uh, counterfeits and, and and people just change records. For example, from the from the if you have a, a temperature control uh, equipment, so people are starting changing records if the temperature drop or, or things like that. And, and this actually was changing completely uh, that phase because, well, if it's immutable, there's nothing you can do. It's, it's there and it's there forever in a way. Mm. Uh, so from, from, from that perspective, from, from, the, from the supply chain, it was fantastic. It was was a real solution. Uh, mm. And it's like a funny note because there is no much actually talk about, but but there is a lot of use. Like and at the moment, there is a lot of companies that are actually implementing this thing have implemented for some time. Uh, so from that point, starting getting more and more involved into it, I just went completely the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And at that at that time, actually, I moved to to Ireland. So and if you're asking the reason why I moved to Ireland from Australia, yes, it was a woman. She brought me here. <laughs> and, it wasn't uh, the weather, Alejandro, no. No, the weather <laughs> as well, but it was mainly the woman. So, <laughs> uh, moved here five years ago. And when I was here, uh, I kept working on it. When I when I I was a bit fed up when I moved into when I moved into Ireland, I was a bit fed up of, of big corporations and mm. and I wanted to do something different and I got the chance actually to work with the guys from the Happy Bear. Mm. So I just started uh, helping them just fixing the whole supply chain and some other operations. And one of the things actually we were testing there uh, was um, uh, provenance. Why? Because when you have to, uh, these supply chains that are supposed to be so uh, sustainable, well, you need to prove actually where the things are coming from. And there is a lot of components, for example, in the Happy Bear that are coming from the arounds, like I even in Wicklow. Mm. Uh, and some other ones that are coming from small farms in different places in, in Europe, right? So you have that social sustainability. And it was important actually to show that to the client. So we're starting just testing that. That was fairly, fairly early. That was in 2017, probably. Mm. And we started working with a company that uh, was one of the first ones doing this provenance. It was called Ambrosus. Uh, and at that point, I said, you know something, I want to use go full on into into the into the space mm. and uh, at that point co-founded uh, a company called console freight and console freight was providing digitization uh, products for the supply chain uh, using like a um, a blockchain protocol like as, as a foundation mm. and we started seeing 
uh, more and more the need for liquidity, especially for, for financial products like uh, is, uh, trade finance and inventory finance, right? That are extremely attached into supply chains, right? Um, in that uh, in that journey, uh, we created a new way to just mitigate risk. And the idea was to, instead of just looking at the two parties that were um, doing the transaction, and just check the financials of them, we actually start seeing not just that, but also the whole supply chain and pinpointing where the risk were and trying to mitigate every single risk and taking the goods as collateral, which means that we were in control of the goods at all times, right? And if there was an issue, well, you can actually liquidate the goods or in control of the insurance and so on. And with this, the idea uh, is to decrease uh, the barriers of entry for for SMEs especially right especially uh, there are a lot of SMEs that they are deemed as too risky as soon as you go into that cookie cutter of credit uh, mm. credit risk mitigation but but there are companies that are solid uh, right like uh, it's just they are new and 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 but they have high potential they have contracts that are signed and so on uh, and we were going actually knocking on doors and knocking on doors just to get people to just put put money or credit or debt into into our into our proposition it was extremely hard i think we knocked on to 100 and something doors and it didn't happen right and we were just saying okay what are we going to do we're just rethinking the whole product and we went to vienna and we were just uh in vienna in a in a seminar um we presented we're doing and the guys from maker that were day by by luck by mm -hmm. pure coincidence and they approach us, say, guys, what you're doing is fantastic. Uh, would you like to do a pilot with us? <laughs> so this is what MakerDAO was just probably the only DeFi protocol around. And they were starting to see the benefits or incorporating real world assets into what they were doing and, and using real world assets as collateral. Mm. So we were one of the first companies doing uh, a pilot with them uh, using DAI to fund real world asset transactions. It was an invoice for $7,000 from Miami to whatever, to, or oh, Texas to Miami. That's, that's what it was, Texas to Miami. And from that point, I started uh, working with the guys from Centrifuge. Uh, in Centrifuge, we created the first uh, a pool uh, in Teen Lake, that is uh, the protocol from Centrifuge, and still the longest standing pool from, from, from Centrifuge. And going with, with all this uh, knowledge that we gather, right, from the console freight times and from, from our uh, supply chain background, we said, look, this is a fantastic opportunity. There is so much to do in here, but this is not ready if we want to scale it and we want to actually bring traditional actors from the investment mm -hmm. side, but also from the origination side, right? Because usually the companies that are providing this type of financial services, or what we do that is uh, supply chain finance, they're usually really traditional, mm -hmm. but they 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 also have constraints from the liquidity perspective. So we say, look, we need to just create something, and that's how the factor actually just just came as a concept, right? That that, yeah. that experience from from Consofre was the genesis to just create the factor and say, look, there is there is a need here, there is a huge gap. Um, we need to close it if we want to just uh, scale the use of DeFi for for the real world asset space. Okay. So uh, tell me about the factor then. 
Yeah, so look, the factor basically is trying to bridge that gap between between traditional finance and uh, and DeFi, and is creating all the uh, different technological needs, operational needs, and uh, regulatory needs for companies to be able to tap in these alternative sources of liquidity like DeFi without uh, changing dramatically their operational uh, uh, structure, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you are now a, a, a traditional company and you want to just start transacting in DeFi, you will need to just change operationally a lot of what you are doing. And, and financial services is already a complex uh, operation. So if you add in extra layers of complexity, people probably will test it once, twice. They say, oh, yeah, there is potential. But I will say, just call me when it's ready. Mm. And, and I will give you a few examples. One is using wallets. It's not for everybody. It's, mm. it's extremely complex, right? Uh, on ramping of ramping, fiat crypto, crypto fiat. Still is something that that is 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 a bit uh, difficult. Uh, reconciliation and there are some other components like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, what we say is like, look, let's let's create this ecosystem, right? That is just focusing on helping uh, companies to use real world assets, tokenize those assets, and just be able to extract liquidity and and make. The use of DeFi systems as simple as possible for everybody to come and use. Mm. So, if if I'm a company looking for some sort of uh, invoice finance solution, um, I can use DeFactor to enable you guys to help me access alternative sources of finance. But it's a lot more straightforward for me as opposed to if I was doing it myself as a company. Yeah, so we, we don't provide the service directly, and that's something that, that is important to mention. We provide the liquidity by proxy to the yeah. customers. And the reason behind is this. We have two choices here. Either we will become a big financial institution mm. that is doing the underwriting and providing the liquidity directly to, to the customers, or we could use the expertise of the companies that are out there already providing these services. Okay. And they are the experts, right? And we could be of having a broader range of people that we can we can uh, get liquidity or, or, or push liquidity towards, right? Because usually these financial companies that are providing supply chain finance, they will have 100 customers, right? Yeah. But for us just to go and tackle 100 customers, it's going to be too difficult. Plus, you will need to build a whole team that requires so many different uh, mm. type of experiences, right? Or or backgrounds. So if yeah. you are, for example, a company that is an expert of supply chain finance in Latin America in a specific industry, just trying to replace that type of, of or try to use uh, match that type of uh, expertise is going to be extremely hard. Yeah. Right? And that's what I'm saying. We, we play a lot with the, with the current expertise of the asset originators and the financial companies that are in there. Okay, so you're going between the asset originators and financial companies. That's correct. Okay, and how has it gotten so far? So, like, when were you guys established? What's the journey been like to get to where you are now? Yeah, so we were established in 2021. So it's been two years now mm. in this journey. Uh, in November, so we were just uh, trying to set up everything in 2021. In November 2021, we did a, a token, a token sale, 
So it was a tokenitions. And that went pretty well. We, we got a fantastic reception from, from uh, the DeFi ecosystem. Because mm. people at that point, few people actually were realizing about how important real world assets, assets were going to be for the for the DeFi ecosystem and that people actually just believe on it. And from that point onwards, uh, we have been building. Everything has to do with technology. As I say, like there's a lot of components mm. in there that are needed uh, from the regulatory perspective, uh, from the operational perspective. And that takes time, right? Uh, I, we believe, especially what is happening at the moment uh, with uh, regulatory entities, right? Just being so heavy handed, like just what happened last last night, right? With, with Kraken and with some other companies that are in the space. We believe that uh, we should start a journey of, of regulation mm. and compliance, right? Because if you don't start that now, it's going to be probably too late in a mm. couple of years. Yeah. Um, I, I spoke with, uh, do you know Andrew Quinn from PIT Business School? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Andrew runs a couple of courses in compliance and risk and we were speaking about this and uh, kind of making the point around compliance and risk being a commercial advantage going forward um, particularly in this space because of all the issues with FTX and other companies if you can demonstrate your regulatory standards uh, it'll put you in a much better position going forward there's no doubt from the trust perspective but it's something really interesting to mention here right that the fact that you are regulated doesn't mean that you are doing things yeah it just means you're, you're reaching regulatory standards but it doesn't mean yeah it doesn't mean anything like ftx was the most regulated uh exchange in the whole world and uh what was the behind that absolutely nothing right without getting into the ftx saga <laughs> where yeah. do you see De facto going over 23, 24. Look, I think the FTX, especially for us, is is not it has not been a, a bad uh a bad um a scenario. And I'll explain you why. Because people are realizing that DeFi technology actually is pretty beneficial. Like mm. uh, unfortunately, media tend to to paintbrush everybody that is in the in the space yeah. the same. And FTX was nothing close to be a DeFi. A yeah. operator they, they are not they are a centralized exchange that are using digital assets that's the extent out of it there's no more than that right so people realize that actually oh if this would have been DeFi it would have been different because it would have more visibility and people would have known what, what is happening uh, so for us has been I think has been uh, in the whole negative context I, don't know, I think has been positive because people are starting to to realize that real world assets are going to be critical to grow the DeFi ecosystem. Uh, that we need assets that are not fully correlated to the digital space, but also because people are starting to realize more and more that um, all those practices, like for example, having full and secure loans in the space, are, are really bad practice, right? Mm. Uh, and people are starting seeing, okay, what is happening? What happens if we mix real world assets with secure lending or like a collateralized lending? That is exactly what we are trying to push from the ecosystem perspective, right? And that has been extremely positive. 
that's been extremely positive. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of reception for it and people understanding it more. People are paying way more attention than what they were paying two years ago. Uh, so even though there is a there is for sure a constraint liquidity, uh, I think the conversations are opening more and more, right? And that's extremely positive. Mm. Uh, where do you see things going for de facto over the next twelve to twenty four months? Uh, build. I think this is time to build and just to prove concepts. Just mm. uh, bring more financial companies, more accelerators, and convincing uh, investors that uh, this is the way forward, right? That's that's the way I see it. I think that should be, well, that's our focus, right, for for two thousand and thirteen and mm. probably two thousand and fourteen as well. Uh, so you you've been in Ireland five years, I think you said. Um, what's your view on the Web three space in in Ireland? I think there is a huge potential. Uh, why? Because the whole uh, tech culture is in here. There is there's a lot of people that understand tech. They are tech savvy, and that's mm. probably a great foundation for Web3. And the problem that I see in the ecosystem, one, is for entrepreneurs, is competing uh, with, with for the pool of talent. It's impossible for a small companies to compete with with Google, Facebook, and all the big techs around Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's something that is hard to do. The other thing is the whole ecosystem is, is focused, or, or not the whole ecosystem, but a big chunk of the whole the, the ecosystem is, is focusing more on what is happening at the big scale with the big organizations and not focusing on what is happening in the grassroots, right? And 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 in the at the entrepreneurial level. Hmm. Because at the end of the day, big chunk of the innovation is, is coming from 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 the talent uh, that are, that are uh, in the trenches, right? Not from the big organizations. Big organizations are not there yet. At some point they will be, they are not there yet, right? Hmm. And I think we need to pay more attention to to that people. I think the startups are are critical for the, for the success of Web3 in Ireland. And the other component that I see is uh, the regulation is, is lacking behind. And that is going to be a big issue because the startups are going to start leaving Ireland soon if there is not a clear path and there is no that engagement with uh, with the startups. And, and there is not at the moment, right? Mm. Unfortunately, so the, something needs to change in that sense. Look, I believe this is a huge opportunity for Ireland. We're already late, but if we're not doing something now, now it's lost. Mm. I believe people will start living, especially in the in that ecosystem. Mm. So there, there seems to have been an awful lot of progress. Like if you think about the blockchain Ireland events pre-COVID, that was in person. It was you know a tiny room, twenty people, something like that. In comparison to the last one, I don't know how many people were there, but it was, you know, two large rooms joined together in the the Alex. Was it the Alex? I think. That's, um, yes, that's a lot of lot of interest. Um, no doubt. I, and I think from like from a talent perspective, everything that's gone on over the past while in terms of the the tech wreck and all these large companies letting people go, uh, that opens doors. I think for not just people in in Web three, but smaller companies to be able to attract talent and showed them something a little bit different, similar to how, you, you know, you did a large corporate thing and you felt you wanted to do something yourself and go a little bit more more dynamic, more entrepreneurial. Uh, I think that opportunity is there now, more than it was before. Uh, correct, but for how long? 
is that sustainable or not, right? Like, because this is just a consequence of the fact that uh, these tech companies are just releasing people. But are they going to be releasing people in the long term? Or is that just uh, this one off? Because I know that they are yeah. closing on one side to just open other things, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just a, it's a, it's a flux of, of, of talent that will go from one side to another. But Absolutely. Then, but the, the conversation is the conversation has changed, I think, and particularly in technology with Laura, my, my wife does the tech side, you know, it's mm. you have an offer from uh, a bank or a fintech versus an offer from Google, like nine times out of ten you're going to Google. Ninety-nine times out of hundred you're going to Google because it's you know, it's large, it's well paid, it's secure. Uh all of a yeah. sudden that security piece is kind of gone. There's a yeah. little bit more uncertainty kind of creeping in. Mm-hmm. So I think the conversation on the dynamic has changed for for a lot of people. Um, anyway, interesting to see how that that washes out. Um, go, going wider then in terms of of Web three, uh, I was at obviously as the coach in residence for Techstars last year. I was at, at demo day. You were on stage with uh, Connor Cantwell and Laura, um, and I think you said it, or it was Connor. It was something along the lines of you know the next evolution of Web three is when people stop talking about Web three. So you buy something on Amazon, you don't really care how it gets to your door the next day or two days after. All you want to do is click and pay. Um, is that still true? What else do you see happening over over the next yeah. you know, few months in Web3? Still true, right? Like uh, I think in the Web3, like, I can say it's Web3 Web space, we are obsessed about technology. Yeah. Obs- obsessed about it. Uh, and yeah, you understand that because everything comes from that is tech stack, and then you start yeah. building on top. But realistically, none of those solutions is solving a real world problem. Mm. So when you go and talk to your customers, customer doesn't really care what you are using. Yeah, if this if it's um feasible for them to use, uh, if the costs or the fees are right, uh, if it's solving the problem that they have. And if these within regulatory parameters, you mm-hmm. couldn't care less, right? It, it, it's just as you are saying, like it, it, it is the, at the moment you you have a web page. It's like you are telling people, hey, you know my web page has HTTPS security, blah blah blah. Because yeah, who cares? Like <laughs> it's just completely irrelevant. Like for yeah. me, for me, technology is just a vehicle, mm. right? How you implement that technology or that vehicle? Just to solve problems, that's that's a key component, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Because every time I talk to someone about a role that we're working on in Web3 or talking to people in general about Web3 or or blockchain or whatever, it, it's like it lives in, in somewhere between two different sides. One is the side where you have someone who's really commercial, thinks blockchain is really cool, so I'm going to put blockchain into something because I should. And the other side is like someone who's, really super bright from a technology perspective and wants to build something cool because they can but no one really wants to buy it i think where yeah. people need to look is where those two kind of meet and it has a commercial need uh, to have the technology that provides a point yeah. of difference I, and look that's pretty interesting right because you are seeing i remember seeing teams right in the, in early stage uh, companies two three years ago and you will see 90 percent of the people in the team developers Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then now those those teams are changing completely, right? Like and now yeah. you have um people from from well, like definitely you have your your tech uh, that is really important in a lot of these companies. Yeah. But you're starting seeing a lot of operations, 
and you're starting seeing strategic people. Yeah. And you're starting seeing uh, financial people playing. So, so the yeah. structures actually are, are just moving more into, let's say, I don't know if it's a traditional way, yeah. but there are teams that are a little bit more robust mm. from the from the structuring perspective. Because yeah. they have broader range of 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 expertise, and and with that broader range of expertise, you're going to be getting solutions that are more more ta- more robust and are going to be tackling problems from different perspectives. And that's extremely yeah. important, right? You cannot just have a, a tackle a, a a problem with with just one one way to do it. One right? lens, yeah, yeah, exactly with one lens. So. Uh, I think that's going to impact uh, extremely positively the whole the whole industry. Uh, I, I'm conscious we're coming towards the end of our interview, but but I do want to get a couple of quick thoughts. If you're sitting there listening to this and you're you know mid career on the tech side, non tech side, you know financial services, thinking about DeFi or Web three or whatever, you have an interest. What's your advice for someone who's who wants to potentially explore getting into that industry? Yeah, so look, I, I think it's easier now. I think there are some communities around that are, are building uh, and that can provide probably a first touch into what Web3 could be. Uh, as I mentioned previously, a good thing now is that there is a need for, for people of different backgrounds and expertise, mm-hmm. especially like financial people are, are, are key at the moment in the DeFi space. And I would say that DeFi is going to be the infrastructure of, of financing the future. I, I solely believe that, right? Uh, and we need people actually that can can bring a lot of positive uh, a learning experience from the traditional side, because I don't think everything in the traditional side is negative. We need we need that as well. Yeah, we need to just implement it in, in DeFi. Uh, the other thing is... Uh, well, like I get get uh, in touch with uh, with with, for example, uh, Blockchain Ireland. Uh, there are multiple working groups in there. Like a, there's a Web three and, and a startups group that I I co chair with with Fiona Eleni. Uh, we'll be happy actually just to 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 help with that. Uh, there is a hackathon coming later during the year. I think hackathons are a fantastic mm-hmm. uh, place to use feel um in first uh let's say like um first hand what, mm-hmm. what it's about right like and, and just working a team and and trying to just have a really short and intense experience of what the web3 space is so mm-hmm. yeah there is um there is a deep doubling coming as well in may as part of blockchain island uh, i would say people get get part of blockchain island week they're going yep. to be multiple events at that time and, and that's a good uh a, that's a good um a, a scene just to to know what the whole um, ecosystem is about like fine off last year during that uh, time i i met many people right asking these questions I'm like how can i get involved so look mm. just go and talk to the companies here just just explore understand what is in in, in the in the blockchain space because there are so much stuff happening right now uh, so I, I believe there is opportunities for everybody. And few of the people I talk after, they say, hey, I'm working now full-time in Web3. So, oh, mm. wow, that's amazing. That's that's great, right? So 
So clearly there are opportunities uh, and, and there are people looking for all sorts of different talent yeah. out there. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's my, my advice. Perfect. Alejandro, lovely to speak as always. Thanks a million for your time. Thanks to you. Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. For show notes and other goodies, go to www.toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. That's toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and feel free to rate and review the show. We appreciate your support. See you next time.